Well, this morning, uh, we are continuing our study uh, in Paul's two letters. Let's see, I'm on. Try that again. No, I'm not on. It was on. Now I'm on. There we go. All right, and, and Paul's, this is his second letter to Timothy. We're into study through both of his letters to Timothy. Uh, we just uh, completed last week First uh, Timothy, so this is uh, our 42nd uh, message here in this series in First and Second Timothy, and uh, today's message, beginning Second Timothy, uh, verses 1 and 2, is entitled, A Gospel Greeting. A gospel greeting. So please, I encourage you, if you have a copy of God's Word with you, and I hope that you do, maybe paper, vid, digital, whatever it is, you turn there, uh, and we'll be looking that here, at that here in a few minutes. But before we examine these verses, let's review uh, just a little bit from, uh, to get in context, review from last week uh, that really summed up 1 Timothy 4 and had, had us headed in the right way uh, for 2 Timothy. Last week, if you remember, Jay finished 1 Timothy by examining the last two verses in 1 Timothy chapter 6 in a message entitled Godless Chatter and False Knowledge. Jay began by taking us, if you remember, to Acts 20, verses 18 through 38, uh, which has been referred to many times when we walk through 1 Timothy. Jay's referred to it a couple times, I've referred to it, and it's when Paul calls, he's on his second missionary journey, he calls the Ephesian elders to meet him in Miletus, if you remember this from last week. And during their brief time there in Miletus together with elders, Paul reminded them of how he had served them humbly, how he had taught them publicly, and he had taught them from house to house. And then he tearfully told them that, hey, this is going to be the last time that we'll be together. Uh, And then he warned them. He warned them to be on guard for themselves and the flock because savage wolves, false teachers, would come in and destroy the sheep and then other people from among them. He's talking to the elders of, of, of Ephesus. Among them in Ephesus, their own people would rise up and they would draw many followers of Jesus Christ away with them. What a warning Paul gave them in Acts 20. And as we've studied through 1 Timothy, uh, we've seen this very thing that Paul warned about in Acts 20 come to fruition. By the time he comes to writing 1 Timothy, it's already begun to happen. How this must have grieved, and I know it grieved Paul. You read First and Second Timothy, how it grieved him. He had spent more time with the church of Ephesus than any other church. Three years he had lived among the people, and he had taught them from house to house and publicly and knew the people. Now he's grieved because false teachers have now come in and began to lead people astray. Jay then pointed out um, of Paul's 13 letters that he writes in the New Testament, right, only two of them do not end on a high note. Only two of them. All the rest of them end on a high note. It's, we're pretty happy, pretty encouraged, that kind of thing. There's two of them that don't. One of them is Galatians, where Paul warns uh, once more of false teachers who are teaching that we need, need to add, we need to add keeping the law to salvation by grace through faith alone. If we really want to live the Christian life, we need to, we need to add keeping the law. All right? And some of them had even been led astray to even believe, I believe in Galatians, that you needed to add the law even to be saved, even to be made right with God. Now, the, the other letter of Paul that does not end on a high note is 1 Timothy. And we saw that last week. Let me just remind you, and we'll read, the, read these two verses to you. Oh, Timothy, this is the last thing he says to Timothy in 1 Timothy. Oh, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments what is falsely called knowledge which some of you have professed 
some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. Here we see Paul, Paul charged Timothy to guard the gospel and do not engage in word wars. This is empty chatter with, with the false teachers. The purity of the gospel was at stake, and by ending his letter like this, Paul once again is emphasizing what exactly is at stake. If Timothy gave one inch, one inch, the gospel would be completely lost to the next generation. Think about that. If he gave one inch, one inch to the false teachers, there's a good possibility the gospel would be completely lost to the next generation that would come along. And thankfully, Timothy didn't give an inch. Aren't you glad he didn't? Because it might have been lost to us. Well, Jay reminded us that, that, that people who teach legalism are not inviting us to a safe harbor. Remember that? They promise a safe harbor, but they're really leading us to the rocks that will make us shipwrecked. And instead of the law making us right with God or helping us live good moral lives, the purpose of the law is meant to show us our sin and need for a Savior. That's the purpose of the law. I can't tell you how many times I'll ask people, what's the purpose of the law? And these are people who have grown up going to church, grown up reading their Bibles, I guess. What's the purpose of the law? It's what you keep to go to heaven. Are you kidding me? That's not what you keep to go to heaven. You want to write down these verses, you can look them at later. Romans 3.20, Romans 5.20, Galatians 3.24, all teach that the purpose of the law was to show us our, need and, our sin and need for a Savior. That was the purpose. It's to drive us to Christ, to lead us to Christ. It's not what we keep to go to heaven. First of all, we can't even remember all 613 of them. We can't remember the top 10. How are we going to keep them? It's impossible. They're meant to lead us to Jesus. Another very important thing that we learned last week is that true teaching says this. I will be reshaped by God's word whenever God's word disagrees with me. That's what true teaching is. I, 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 will, I, I will reshape, all right, I will reshape, all right, I will be reshaped by God's word when I read along, oh, that doesn't agree with what I believe. Well, you let God's word reshape you. False teaching instead says, I will reshape God's word every time it disagrees with me. I made this statement to some of our elders the last couple of weeks. In the beginning, God created us in his image, and we've been returning the favor ever since. Well, let me explain that. In the beginning, God created us in his image, and we have been returning the favor ever since. We have been creating God in our own image. And that's not what we would do. We don't we want to let God's word shape what we think of who he is. Well, last week, hey, it, it was heavy. If you were here, it was heavy. And because of the way that Paul ended the letter. That's why it was heavy. It just, whoa. And I'm sure Timothy kind of felt that as he finished reading this letter in the church of Ephesus as he read it to them. But it needed to be because of what was at stake and what was, what's at stake even, to now, even today. Because there's false teachers in our world, in our country, in our state, in our city, in our community. They're still here. They're not going away. Well, we need, to be, we need to feel that heaviness, don't we? This is serious. It's about the gospel. We're going to look more at that as we explore 2 Timothy together. With, with that in review from last week and really bring this from 1 Timothy to 2 Timothy, let's now turn our attention to 2 Timothy and the passage that we'll be unpacking today. If you'd stand with me and we could read this all together out loud. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul 
an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we are your mercy. We need your grace, mercy, and peace this morning as we look at your word. So, Lord, we pray that you would take your word and you would do what you have promised. You would use your word to transform our minds. They they would be renewed and transform who we are from the inside out by your word. We're trusting only you can do that, Lord. We can read your word, we can preach your word, and we have to trust you to make a difference in our lives. So, Lord, we, we ask you to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning's going to be a little different than, than, than normal because we'll be we doing a brief overview of 2 Timothy and, and then de- just dealing with the first two verses, all right? So as, as we, we, we think about that, just think that we're, this is just going to be a little bit different than normal. It's, it's important to do an overview so we can get the, the, the big picture before we start diving deep. We want to get the 20,000-foot view of 2 Timothy first. And, and then when we come back, we can dive a little deeper in, in, with that, that, that framework in a sense and dive a little deeper on each one of those aspects of 2 Timothy. So let me get, begin by saying 2 Timothy, if you don't get anything this morning, just this is it, all right? 2 Timothy is about the gospel. 2 Timothy, let me, let me emphasize that like I did about the king. It's about the gospel. That's what 2 Timothy is about. You think, well, you could probably say that about any book. Well, you're probably right. Because it's all about the gospel. But I'm telling you, this is about the gospel. That's what 2 Timothy is about. Just write that it's about the gospel. And as we reminded earlier, Paul ended his first letter with great concern about the gospel. And he had heard of all the false teacher going on in Ephesus and how the gospel was being distorted, making it no gospel at all, as he says in Galatians 1. Now about three years later, Paul is even more concerned about the gospel and how it's being distorted when he pens this letter to to Timothy. He understands what's at stake. If the gospel is distorted and eventually completely lost at any place in the world, there is no hope. There is no hope. There's no, take away hope and you have chaos. There's no hope, no hope for salvation. For without the gospel and the proclaiming of the gospel, there is no salvation. Maybe you'll be reminded of this, or you even first see this for the first time, but in Romans 1.16, Paul writes this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He's not ashamed of the gospel. Why? He's not, he, he's not afraid to keep bringing it up. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Why? Because it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. There is no other power of God for salvation except in the gospel. We have got to get that right. We cannot miss that. We've got to be reminded of that all the time because everybody else is telling us there's lots of ways to be made right with God. There's lots of ways to have hope. There's lots of ways to be saved. There's only one way, and that's the gospel, the good news that the God of all the universe, although we had turned our back on him and sinned and separated ourselves from him because of our sin, the God of all the, uh, of the universe sent his son to die in our place to pay the penalty of our sin so we'd be forgiven and made right with him. That is the gospel, the good news. And there's no other way, no other way. Well, someone might be thinking at this point, I wish they would move on to something else. Blah, 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 blah. 
this whole defending the gospel against false teachings is getting kind of old. Well, I trust that's not the case in this room this morning. I'm not saying anybody here would think that. But I can assure you that that kind of thought exists in the church today as a whole by those who profess to know Jesus. That kind of thought, I wish they'd just get on with something else. Let's be a little more positive, right? But I can promise you this. Myself and Jay and the other elders will not stop defending and guarding the gospel. We will not. And I hope that brings you comfort here. We will not stop defending and guarding the gospel. We will keep preaching what God's word says because we understand what's at stake. We are committed to verse by verse teaching and preaching through God's word. And when Paul brings it up, false teaching and guarding the gospel in 2 Timothy, guess what we're going to do? We're going to bring it up because that's what the text says. That's what God's word says. My opinion doesn't matter. God's word is what matters. Well, part of the lack of urgency in, in, in our country surrounding the guarding the gospel and guarding God's word has to do with there has not been mass amounts of people that have lost their lives over the gospel and God's word in the United States. We, we, can, we, we can look at our country and say, man, this needs to be better. This stinks. And this stinks. Hey, go anyplace else in the world. Go anyplace else in the world. And people have lost their lives for the gospel. They've lost their lives for defending, wanting to have God's word. At this, at this point in our country, we don't have kings and queens who burn us at the stake, cut our heads off for proclaiming the gospel or wanting to have God's word in our language. Anybody seen that happen? Because we don't have the Bible in English that somebody's going to cut our head off or burn us at the stake? No, it's happened all over the world and still happening all over the world. We don't, we don't understand the, quite the cost and sometimes we miss out because we don't understand the cost that it took for us to have God's word in our own language, for us, the gospel be passed on to us. People have lost their lives and are losing their lives for that to happen. This is why it's so important we remember when the gospel is at stake, listen, I've said this before, it's not the difference between life and death. The gospel is not the difference between life and death. It's the difference between eternal life and eternal death. The stakes are way higher than life and death. Now let's look, begin to look at, look at a brief overview here of 1 Timothy. And, and they're, they're, they're just to, to remind us of this as we go back to here to Romans 1.16, what is at stake is the gospel, and if we lose it, we've lost it all. Why? Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. All right, well, first, uh, it's evident when we look at 2 Timothy 1, 1 and 2, all right, that Paul, the former persecutor of Christians, now turned champion for Christ, okay, is writing to Timothy. Paul to Timothy, all right? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, right? To Timothy, my beloved son. Notice uh, Paul calls Timothy my beloved son, my beloved son, my dearly loved son. Oh, I, I hope that you, you caught that already in 1 Timothy, how much Paul loves Timothy. I hope you'll catch it in 2 Timothy. Timothy most likely came to faith in Jesus under Paul's ministry when Paul was first preaching in Lystra. And when he was in Lystra, I love this, it's back in chapter 14, in Acts 14, you can go write that down and go look at it later, but in Acts 14, here's what happens. He's in Lystra, he's preaching, and um, Timothy heard him probably preach the gospel, and he saw him heal a man who was born lame, who was born, couldn't walk, right? And then a lot of people get upset about this, and they drag Paul out of town and stone him, and he's left for dead. His friends think he's dead. Miss how bad he's stoned. 
And Paul gets back up the next morning. It's one of my favorite stories in all of Acts. He gets back up the next morning, and he walks right back in there. We know why, right? Because he knows what's at stake. And I believe that that had a huge impact on Timothy's life as he watched that happen. And he heard Paul preach the gospel. I believe that, 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 that because of that, and when we meet Timothy again, um, that that's when Timothy came to know Christ, when he heard the gospel in Lystra for the first time from Paul. And then Paul returns in Acts 16, a couple chapters later, to Lystra, and he gets there, and everybody's talking about this, kid, this guy named Timothy. I mean, Timothy, man, this guy's awesome. This guy is faithful. It says he's well spoken of by the brethren. I mean, you've got, you got to meet Timothy, Paul. Have you met Timothy yet? This guy is awesome. I mean, he'd be a great, he'd be like Batman and Robin. I mean, this, is, this is, guy could be your partner, Paul. And sure enough, Paul meets him, and he takes him with him. And it begins their journey of Paul investing his life in the gospel and the word of God in Timothy, and Timothy being his right-hand man in a sense. And we're going to talk more about Timothy next week and about Timothy and, and how he's made up and all these kind of things. But I tell you what, Timothy was a great man of God, and Paul saw it, and he took it, and he made him his apprentice and invested his life into this faithful man. Paul loves Timothy like a son. He wants to encourage and instruct Timothy to keep on in the ministry of the gospel. We'll see this. Timothy is discouraged. He's tired. He's hurting. And Paul wants to come alongside his beloved son and lift him up and encourage him and say, man, you can do it. As, as my, my big boss down here would say, he would say, keep on. Keep on. Keep on, Timothy. You can do it. Well, this is a significant letter for many reasons, beginning with what we see at near the end of the letter in 2 Timothy 4, 6. Look what it says, what Paul writes. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and at the time of my departure has come. Paul was in a Roman prison when he, when he produced this letter, and it wasn't house arrest. This is a lot different than in his other imprisonment. It wasn't let's come and go and you got all these nice things around you. This is more like a dungeon. And as you see, you can see that as you read through 2 Timothy. It was worse uh, um, circumstances he found himself in than before. And in a sense, you can see here, he's about to die. Look, he says, the time of my departure has come. He knows this is the end. This is, in a sense, his last will and te testament. And the fact that these were some of Paul's last words in his life before he died, I'm sure that it caused Timothy to lean in just a little bit more as he read that letter. This is it. I, I better listen. If Paul could say anything, this is what he wants me to know. And he leaned in. And you know what? We would do well to follow Timothy's example. And we ought to lean in to this great man of God who probably God used to get the gospel through him to us in some ways. We ought to lean in and listen. This is it. Well, where is Timothy when Paul writes him this letter? Well, last week, Jay mentioned uh, he didn't think Timothy was still in Ephesus when he, Paul wrote the second letter. Okay, And, and, and he made just a quick observation based on 2 Timothy 4.12, but Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Now the thought, of, the thought is that being that, the thought is that, that why would Paul need to tell Timothy that he had sent Tychicus to Ephesus if Timothy was there? He, he would know that. That, that. That's the thought there. And, and also this letter is much more a personal uh, uh, letter written more directly to Timothy. There's not a whole lot, there's no direct references necessary to the church of Ephesus here. Right, so from those and other reasons, too, I don't have time to go into it, uh, Jay made that statement. I'd never heard that, that thought uh, before ever seriously considered consider it. So I just went in, went with it and didn't think any more about it. Not. 
I did what we tell you all to do every week, be a Berean. When Paul got run out of Thessalonica, he goes to Berea, and he says about this, about the Bereans. He said they were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they eagerly examined the Scriptures daily to see if what Paul had to say was from God's Word. And we encourage you every week to be a Berean, to examine the Scriptures daily, to check us. Hey, is that really from God's Word? So that's what I did. I went back. And I began to study about Tychicus and this issue whether Timothy was at Ephesus or not. And I began looking up every reference. You guys, this guy, you probably think, this guy is crazy. No, I'm a Berean. And I looked up every reference in the New Testament about Tychicus. There's four of them. All right? And I looked them all up. And I began to read more about Tychicus. And I'm trying to figure this thing out because I'd never heard that. I wouldn't think it was wrong. I just never heard that. So I'm, I'm studying and, and, um, and found out some things about Tychicus that, that, that were kind of interesting. He delivered the letters. I knew this to, to Church of Ephesus and Colossae. He del- delivered at the same time he delivered the letter to Colossae to Philemon. So he was a letter deliverer uh, and, and, uh, um, and that with along with some other wording and what does the, 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 the epistolary Aorist tense mean, all right? I'm just throwing that out there. So it's, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what it meant either, so I had to look it up, all right? And, and uh, what does that mean? And how he have? It could have been that he sent this, and, and it was, it was it, he had, and by the time he got there, all right, he had, the, the have, the past tense, all right, was when the, ten, the, the letter arrived. I, they may not help you at all, but all, I just studied some of these things, right? And, and I, you know, deli- it, so I believed and believed, maybe, Still, that, that Tychicus delivered this letter to 2 Timothy. He's a letter deliverer, right? So I, that's what I believe, and, and Timothy was still there. So Jay and I then got together, as we often do, and looked into God's word together. And, and, and we left with, with Jay still probably leaning toward the fact that Timothy wasn't in Ephesus, and I left leaning toward the fact that he was. And then we duked it out, and Jay took me down, and no. We also agreed this. We left holding our current understanding with grace toward each other, knowing that either way, it doesn't change what Paul teaches Timothy here. He was at least in the area. He was still talking about what had gone on about Ephesus and what was going to be coming. So the church of Ephesus is still in mind whether he's there or not. Now, now I say all that just to give you an example okay, of what it looks like to, to dive into God's word and have discussions with brothers and sisters in Christ. And as long as it's not, not a gospel issue, the gospel isn't staked, uh, staked or undermined, and this is not a gospel issue, you just keep fellowshipping and loving each other. And that's what Jay and I do. That's what we did. It's, it's rare that we come across something we don't agree on. And, and this is, we're not both like, oh, I don't agree on that. We're like, okay, yeah, I can see that. We had a great discussion. But I, I say that just to remind us that when we study God's word, we, we need to keep our, we need to be Bereans, right? Um, and if you, if you study something dip, deep, deeply and come to a different conclusion, they're brother, sister in Christ, and it's not a gospel issue, hang in there. Just love each other. And keep studying God's word. Thankfully, when we're in his presence, we'll, we'll get all of our theology straightened up. All right, now back to the overview. There's so much you could say in an overview about 2 Timothy. But since we're walking through it over the next year, we're going to say a lot of those things. So with that said, let me give you a simple outline for Timothy. This is really simple. Guard the gospel, suffer for the gospel, continue in the gospel, preach the gospel. All right, guard the gospel, suffer for the gospel, continue in the gospel, and preach the gospel. Let me just give you, I've got references up here. All right, guard the gospel. We find this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Right? Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Here we see the idea of guarding the gospel. This treasure was the gospel to guard it. Now, I thought about this, and I knew Tim was coming, 
And Tim is a, is a wrestler. He was the director of 1984 Olympics uh, uh, USA Wrestling in 1984. He, if you like wrestling, go on ESPN. He's also the color guy on ESPN for wrestling. If you're and not wrestling and not WWF, we're talking about real wrestling. And and and. I've learned a few things about wrestling. I've learned to appreciate it, and I would be a terrible wrestler. But one of the things that, that guys, they're going for your leg, you got to sprawl, right, Tim? Boom, you got to sprawl. Don't get, get that leg, right? right you got to sprawl. Right? You're guarding your leg to keep them get a single leg or a double leg, and boom, now I got a point. And they make it on back and pin you. All right? You're, you're guarding. You're guarding. And here, you're, to, to, to keep from being pinned. And Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, you got to guard the gospel. Guard what's been entrusted to you. Whatever it takes, guard it. If it takes being goofy like that and sprawling, I about pulled my hamstring there, all right? But I'm kidding. Yeah, all right? And it probably was a bad, what was that, Tim? That's not goofy. That's right. You're, hey, you're guarding. Hey, whatever it takes, you've got to guard. You've got to guard the gospel, and that's Paul's encouragement to Timothy. The, the, the next one uh, we see is suffer for the gospel, and we see this in 2 Timothy, uh, I mean, chapter 2. Suffer hardship with me as a good sh- soldier of Christ Jesus. Here we see this idea of suffering for the gospel, and we're going to see it come up multiple times in 2 Timothy. And if you know anything about Paul's life, he suffered for the sake of the gospel. Here's the question for us. Are we willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel? Are we willing to lose friends over the gospel? Are we willing to lose our jobs over the gospel? And maybe one day we'll have to say, well, are we willing to lose our lives over the gospel? Paul was because it was that important. He says, Paul, Timothy, join me in suffering for the gospel. All right. Next, we see continue in the gospel. We see this in, in 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. You, however, continue in these things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, continue in the gospel. Continue in these things. The word of God, which is able to lead you to salvation, continue in the gospel. Continue. Keep going. Remember, Timothy's weary. He is weary. He's beat up. And Paul's saying, man, continue. Don't give up the gospel. Don't give up his words. Don't give up what you learned from childhood, which was the gospel through his word. And then lastly, one of my favorites, 2 Timothy Four, one through two, preach the gospel. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is a judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Bring the book. He's saying, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with, with great patience and instruction. Preach the word. Preach the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation. Preach the word. Hey, we live in a culture right now that would come in here and think, what are those nuts doing? Listen to somebody proclaim this truth about God. That's ridiculous. They ought to do about a five-minute video, read one verse, sing a bunch of songs, sing kumbaya, hug each other, and leave. I'm telling you. But you know why we preach the word and we preach the gospel? Because it says, preach the word. It's what God's people have always done. His word has power, and some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, just by the preaching of the word, God has used it to convict your heart and come to a knowledge of, the, of Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
I remember when we were in, in, in Texas. I don't have this in my notes. That's dangerous, Jay. All right? I don't have this in my notes. It just brought my mind. There was a, there was a young man, that our, 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 our uh, percussionist at our church had moved, and we needed somebody to play percussion. And he said, hey, you got to ask this guy. He's at the college. He'd probably do it for a little bit of time um, just to fill in until you find somebody. So we got this guy to come, um, and, and he was the hired percussionist, all right? And he came, and he tells this story. I uh, heard him tell a story. He said, I was sitting on the back row, and you were teaching Philippians. And I'm sitting back there in the back row when I'm not saying, when this is going to be over, blah, 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 Paul, blah, 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 blah. And he tells it like that, all right? And he says, I can still remember where I was sitting in Philippians chapter 3, and God grabbed hold of my heart. And I saw my sin and need for a Savior, and I trusted in Jesus. And now that man, he was actually a, 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 um, music teacher in a school. Now that man left the school and now and went, went for training and now he planted a church in Pennsylvania through the preaching of the word. Not me. God uses his word to change lives. That's why we preach the word. And he's telling Timothy, hey, don't give it up. You keep preaching the gospel. Preach the gospel. So that's, that's it's just a brief 20,000 foot overview. Guard the gospel. Suffer for the gospel. Continue in the gospel. Preach the gospel. And, and, and we'll definitely see these summary statements come up, highlighted throughout. We'll see them all over the place, actually, in our study of 2 Timothy. Now, let's get, get down on the street le- level a little bit in, in this letter and examine the first two verses in 2 Timothy. But before we do that, let me ask you a question. How many of you all have just casually read through greetings in the Bible and not given much thought? Like this greeting here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promises of Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ. Oh, okay, now let's get into the letter. Has anybody ever done that besides me? Four other honest people. Okay. We've all done it. We just read over it. Hey, it's, it's a greeting. You know what? Greetings used to mean something. They used to mean something. They used to teach something. They used to say something. Just also just like salutations. They meant something. When I put by his grace, when I sign a letter now, I mean it's by his grace. I ain't, I'm not playing. In Christ, I mean in Christ. I'm in Christ. That's who, that's who I am. I mean it. And maybe we need to get back to meaning what we say, right? Dear beloved. Dear, are they really dear or are you just putting that in there to butter them up? I mean, th- th- these mean something. And, and when we do this, we're missing out. Every word of God is breathed out by God. And it's there intentionally. Greetings and salutations, they, they, they mean something. And we're going to see that here this morning as we look at these two verses. And so as we examine these, these first two verses, we're going to discover three main truths contained in Paul's gospel greeting. So that we'll be encouraged to keep holding fast to the gospel and share with others. All right, and here you note takers, this is for you. The authority behind the gospel, the contents of the gospel, and the blessings of the gospel. All right. The authority behind the gospel, the contents of the gospel, the blessings of the gospel. Look, look there at verse 1 with me again. Notice that phrase, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Here we see the first truth contained in Paul's gospel greeting. The authority behind the gospel. An apostle of Christ Jesus. An apostle is one who is sent, very similar to an ambassador, but one who is sent with, as an official representative of one who bears authority, and they bear their authority from the one who sent them. Right? They take something from someone in authority and they, as a messenger, and they take that. They, they're sent out to take that message in the authority of the one who sent it. Paul is not just any old apostle, though. He's not just any old messenger. Look what it says. He's an apostle of, help me, what's it say? 
Christ Jesus. He was sent out by Jesus in Acts chapter 9 after he came to faith in Jesus as a representative and therefore bears the authority given to him by Jesus. Notice that next phrase just for more emphasis. By the will of God. Paul was not an apostle of Christ Jesus by his own choice, but the choice of God. This pointed to the fact that God, the ultimate authority, was empowering and backing Paul's ministry. Paul's authority authority gave Timothy authority in the midst of those who might question his authority. So Timothy needed to be reminded of this as as he steadfastly kept dealing with those who were distorted in the gospel. He needed to be reminded, hold on. The message I have, the message of the gospel, was given to me, and I'm commissioned by Paul, who was commissioned by Jesus by the will of God. The message I take of the gospel has the authority of God behind it. That's what he needed to remember. He needed to remember that, he, that all the authority of human, uh, humanity can't stand in the authority of God. So no matter what the false teachers are saying, other people calling his ministry into question, hold on, no, I'm sent by God. I'm, I'm sent by God. I got God behind me. And when you got God behind you, that's all you need. I've been studying Zechariah this past week, and, and I see this all through the Old Testament, and the Lord was with him. Hey, when the Lord's with you, isn't that all you need? And the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Timothy. God is ultimately the authority behind the gospel. And we too must remember this as we take the gospel to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, and around the world. We go in the authority in the name of God. It's not, it's not our authority. It's his authority. And he gives it to us to take the gospel. We go forth under the umbrella of God's authority, not our own. Listen, and this guarantees success. I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you if we go understanding we're going in the authority of God with the gospel, we'll have success. What do I mean by success? We just faithfully proclaim the gospel. That's what we're called to do. And we trust God with the results. We plant the seeds. And God brings the growth. That's good news to me. When I look at the, 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 at the first uh, or at the next phrase here in verse one, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, here we see the second truth contained in Paul's gospel greeting, the content of the gospel. Look at that phrase, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. This is a summary of the gospel message. This is another way to, to, to in a sense, share the gospel. Uh, this is Paul's primary goal in his ministry. God promised, look what it says, God promised to give life to all who are in Christ Jesus. There's life in Christ Jesus. And and where did God promise that? Well, all over his word, he promised that. But maybe you heard of this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish. What does it say? They will have what? Eternal life. They will have eternal life. And where does eternal life begin? Then? Is it, is it out there? No, if you're in Christ Jesus, you have eternal right now, life now. It says you have eternal life. It's when somebody comes, listen to their understanding that God is holy and perfect. And, and if you look at even John, John 3.16, it says we shall not perish. It means we should perish. We, we should perish because of our sin and separation from God. But God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son. He gave him in our place to take on the penalty of sin that we deserved. That's the gospel. 
And, and, and what's the promise? If we place our faith in Jesus, what will have eternal life. It's the promise of the gospel. Paul was sent to let people know that it is in Christ Jesus where we find eternal life. That's why he was sent. And we too are called to proclaim the fact that, of the promise of life in Christ Jesus. We're called just like Paul was. This is our main ministry. This is our main ministry to proclaim that there's life in Christ Jesus. How are we doing? How are we doing it? Telling people that there's life in Christ Jesus. Well, now look at verse 2 with me. All right. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace. Here we see the third truth contained in Paul's gospel greeting. The blessings of the gospel. Notice that first word, grace. Grace. I think we're going to have a new grandbaby around here, Brian Herzog. They're named their baby, uh, granddaughter, Karis, which is Greek for grace. It's a great name. But what is grace? This is one of those things. Grace, mercy, and peace. Get along to the real good stuff. I'm telling you, it doesn't get any better than this. Grace. What is grace? Some people may say this. Unmerited favor. That's true. Definitely true. Getting what you don't deserve. Exactly right, Great, which is grace to overcome the penalty of sin. We don't, we don't deserve God's grace. We don't deserve his salvation. That is grace, unmerited favor. We see that in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You're getting something we don't deserve. It's not by works. It's by grace, unmerited favor. Right? It's most definitely unmerited favor. But you know what? Grace is more than that. It's, it, that's good, isn't it? But it gets better. Grace is also the desire and power to do God's will. He said again, grace is the desire and power to do God's will. And if you're a good Berean, prove it. We don't have time for me to really prove it because we'd be here all day looking at all the passages in Scripture to talk about this. All right? But here's just one actually in our, it's actually the title of our series, right? 2 Timothy 2.1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be, you see that? It's, it's power. Be strong in the grace. Here's my favorite one on, on, when we talk about this kind of grace. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. This is Paul speaking. I am what I am. I, I, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm born again. I'm forgiven. I'm free. I'm justified. I'm being sanctified. I will be glorified. That's all that I am. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me or in me. He said, I labored, I worked harder than all of them. But it wasn't me, it was the grace of God with me and in me, through me. See, grace is, yes, unmerited favor, it's also the desire and the power to do God's will. There's actually a lot more than that, but we don't have time to go and just keep proving that it's, it's God's empowering grace. Grace to overcome the power of sin on a daily basis. Now, I heard something um, about grace this week. I was listening to a, a, a sermon on John Piper about something else, and, and he said this. He said that every one of Paul's 13 letters begin and end with a statement about grace. Now, I'm a Brian, so you know what I did? I went to all 13 letters this week. Well, let's see, John Piper. We'll see if you're right. And, and, I, and I did. I looked, and you know what? He was right. In the beginning, somewhere in the first few verses and somewhere in the last few verses, there's grace in every one of Paul's letter. Paul was emphasizing that we need God's grace from beginning to end, don't we? 
We need his grace every moment of the day to take the next breath. We need his grace. Timothy needed to be reminded of this. He needed a reminder of God's grace that saved him and God's grace that could empower him to do what God had called him in a very difficult situation. And we need to be reminded too. We just sang a song I never sung before, Grace on Top of Grace. Oh, I like that. And it's actually in Romans, grace upon grace. Grace on top of grace. The amazing grace of God is a blessing of the gospel. Notice the next word. You're thinking, man, this is forever. All right, one word at a time. Here we go, right? Mercy. Mercy. Another, another, if, if grace is getting something you don't deserve, mercy, you could say opposite in a sense, but uh, related, not getting what you do deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve death because of our sin. God's mercy doesn't give us death. Uh, it's another way to say it's compassion toward those who are suffering. That's mercy. The, the word used here is, is also it's the, the, the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew equivalent to note God's faithful and loyal covenant love toward his people. Maybe you've heard it, hesed. All right, God's mercy, his loving kindness, his, it's to show his faithful and loving covenant toward his people. In, in the face of adversity and the false teachers, Timothy needed to be reminded of God's faithful and loyal covenant love toward him, didn't he? He needed to be reminded of that. Anyone else here need God's mercy this morning? Yeah, we all need his mercy. I need his mercy. Uh, I need his mercy every day. And I need to be reminded of this fact that he is faithful. He is for me. He loves me and he will never give up on me. The amazing mercy of God is a blessing of the gospel. Look at the next word. Peace. The absence of conflict. Uh, The Old Testament used the word shalom. It denotes wholeness, completeness of life. Um, Peace is the result, listen, of having God's grace and mercy. Grace, mercy, and then you have peace. You have wholeness. There's an absence of conflict. Um, There's two aspects of peace in God's word, at least. And we see one of those in Romans 5.1. There's a peace with God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Before this, later on in Romans 5, it will say we were enemies of God. We were at odds with God because of our sin. But through faith in Jesus Christ, now we have peace with God. We're with God, peace with God. There's also the aspect of the peace of God, which we see in Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Before this, he said to pray. When we come to God in prayer with thanksgiving, right, we call out to him. He gives us the peace of God. It will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Did Timothy need that? You bet. He needed the peace of God. He was hurting. And, and Paul was saying, peace, peace. And just like Timothy, we need the peace of God every day. And this, the, the amazing peace of God is also one of the blessings of the gospel. Now lastly, notice where this grace, mercy, and peace flows from. From God the Father and, Jesus our, and Christ Jesus our Lord. This isn't just you're running the mill, grace, mercy, and peace. This is God's grace, mercy, and peace given to us. Those who are in Christ Jesus by faith will never, 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 ever lack grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. We'll never lack that. These are the blessings of the gospel. Grace, mercy, 
and peace. This is one of the greatest reasons I think that Paul referred to the gospel. Actually, it was in 1 Timothy. We saw it as the glorious gospel of our blessed God. Isn't that glorious? Now, I hope that encourages you not to look over the greetings anymore. There's so much there. It sets the whole letter in place. Take your time. Chew on God's word. Think about what God is saying. Because every word matters. It's there on purpose, not by accident. If anybody tells you differently, they're wrong. Every word matters. And I want to go ahead and say this. We have good translations in English. Do not ever let anybody try to tell you that's not a good translation in English. We got a great translation. Now, there's paraphrases. That's different. But we got a lot of good translations that a lot of people, a lot smarter than all of us, put together who are brilliant, who love Jesus, took the time to translate into English for us. Don't let anybody tell you that you, you can't trust. You've got you to know Greek and Hebrew if you're really going to know it. You do not. You do not. You can trust what we have before us is faithful. I, I can do a whole other segment on that sometime, other time. I did it with some of the ladies in the ladies' Bible study to show you we have an accurate rendition of God's word from the originals. Praise God. You can trust it. Well, how can we respond to God's word this morning? Well, here's, here's the first response. We can take this glorious gospel to the others who need to hear it. We can take the glorious gospel of our blessed God to others who need to hear it, knowing that as you go, you go in the authority of God with the message of the promise of life that is found in Christ Jesus, empowered by the grace, mercy, and peace that comes from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me say that again. I'm going to read it because I wrote this on purpose, specifically in words, in these words to help remind us what, by God's grace, we can do. We go knowing that we go in the authority of God with the message of the promise of life that is found in faith in Christ Jesus, empowered by the grace, mercy, and peace that comes from God the Father, Christ Jesus our Lord. Who this week will you engage in a conversation with the gospel with? Who? Not, not will. Who? Who? I hope we all will. Who will it be? Just ask them, have you ever heard John 3.16? Just ask that question. That's an opening. You'd be surprised how many people right here have never heard it. Ever heard it. I've had it happen to me many times, many places across the United States. You ever heard of John 3.16? No. It's in the Bible. You've probably heard it, right? John 3.16. No. Maybe if I start it a little bit, you'll, you'll understand. For God so loved the world, and they're like, huh? They've never heard it. There's people right here who have never heard it. There's people who heard it that need to be reminded of it. Just, just start right there. That's a great place. Who is it? Who in your mind? Who do I need to just ask? Have you ever heard of John 3.16? And my prayer is that maybe you're hearing some things this morning that you've heard before, maybe you've never heard before, and you've come to realize that the God of all heaven is holy, he's blameless, and he created us for his glory. And yet we walked away and we fell short of his glory because we sinned. That's what sin is, we fall short. We made much of ourselves instead of making much of him. But God loved us so much, he sent his son to die, to pay the penalty that we deserve, eternal death, separated from God forever. He loved us so much that Jesus paid that for us. 
And if we would turn from trusting in ourselves and our own righteousness and turn and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he makes us right with him. We have peace with God. And my prayer is you've never done that this morning. This would be the day you would do that, that you would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You would be in Christ Jesus and experience the life that is found in Christ Jesus. When we, uh, after we're done here this morning, there will be people down here in the front that if you need someone to pray with, you have questions about, after we dismiss, please take advantage of that. Um, would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for your gospel. Thank you, Lord, that when we go, we go in the authority of your gospel. Lord, we go and we have a message of life. And Lord, we go in your grace and mercy and peace. Lord, remind us of that this week as we go. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? I just want to, to read this over you. Um, and this is from Paul. And my, my prayer that this would be our heart. We, our heart would be like Paul in Acts 20, 24, which says this. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of of God. May we testify solemnly this week of the gospel of the grace of God. You're dismissed. God bless you.